Good morning. Welcome to Rogue Race here at the 10 o'clock hour on KAPL. This is Peter John with you. Grateful to be with you if there's anyone tuned in because it's good to be alive. The devil is always trying to get into your thoughts, my subconscious, saying you need to prove yourself. You need to perform to become something or someone. Right? I mean, look at Eve and Adam. They were already made in the image of God. He was, Adam was planted in the middle of finished work. And the serpent is telling him and Eve that he had to qualify for what he was already resting in, qualified for. An identity crisis was created. And then he does the same with Jesus, that devil does. Questioning his identity as the son of God. When Jesus just heard the the days before, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, if you really are the son of God, then do this, this, and this. Hiss. And Jesus said, nope. Uh Uh-uh. No. Jesus quoted scripture. Jesus looked at the book of Deuteronomy and Jesus refused to play the devil's game. He had already heard who he was and didn't need to prove any longer to anyone or anything. You are listening, right? That's why you're hearing my voice. You are in Christ Jesus. You are in the beloved, Ephesians chapter 1 says. You are God's son, God's daughter, in whom he is well pleased, because you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, therefore, is our hero our savior, man, boy, however you want to say it, man or boy, I sure am glad for Jesus. That's a good way to start off today's program. I went in for, I I, I had a hot date last night with my wife, me and her, at the Rogue Valley Hospital medical center. (laughs) Yep. I had a great time. (laughs) 
it was it blew my mind literally uh felt so i went in for a brain scan yesterday an emergency kind of situation because uh my brain already was melting down just because i'm peter john corson but in the last few months it's been struggling with those whatever they had to remove from it i don't even remember <laughs> and now it's getting worse so they did a brain scan so keep it in your prayer we have I haven't got the results yet it's not that bad of a deal though to be well as i said ignorance is bliss it's not that bad not 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 that not too shabby having um a short 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 term memory <laughs> i think before if 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 i can say it this way before i went through this surgery this brain problem i think my opinion is my crohn's disease the root of it is something that's subconscious. That's why I always talk to you about grace, because I need it. I love it. Not just grace, God's grace, amazing grace, because it is needed not only for my, my soul, but I think I literally, my body needs it. So the serpent tries to plant in Adam and Eve's mind, the work is not finished. You need to perform to become what God had already declared them to be. That's the serpent. I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm not saying don't do good works. I'm not saying don't love your, your neighbor, your kids, your spouse, your enemy. No. Follow the commandments of God. Listen to the teachings of of Jesus. Absolutely. But what I'm also saying is it is finished. That's why it's called the gospel. And I think my brain needs to get that in. My gut does definitely, but I'm glad I am truly grateful for the gospel. Um, so when I get my results back, whenever they come in for that brain scan, I'll let you know. Thank you for your prayers. I'm doing good. We'll be right back.
So God does not want you to live by the knowledge of good and evil, but wants you to eat of life. He told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. You shall die. In my opinion, and for what it's worth, I think that most Christians in America, in our culture, we have made Christianity into a form of knowledge of good and evil. It's all about what is right and what is wrong. I'm not saying there isn't right and wrong. Absolutely there is. There is holiness and there is sin. There is black and white, no doubt. But I think, in my opinion, we have fallen, we've missed the mark as Christians I believe God goes beyond merely right and wrong, good and evil. He wants us to inherit, to have, to enjoy life, the tree of life. Christianity is not the knowledge of good and evil. Christianity is spirit and life. And I don't think you'll ever know that in so many pulpits, books, and churches today. And I would suggest to you something, there are some times that something may be right and yet still be wrong. It may look right, it may be preached right, and it can still be wrong. It's not about the knowledge of good and evil. It is spirit and life. So what does, okay, so now on my radio program, spirit and life, not good and evil, right? So how do you know what to do in everyday situations? Let's go through some. So what is the best diet? You know, all kinds of diets are out there for eating. What's the best food to eat, the best diet to consume, the best way to eat food nutritiously or to enjoy it or to go on a diet? So what is the best diet? The answer, ask Jesus. Here's another question. For a guy, I'm a guy with teenage daughters, okay? So this is a question for you ladies. How short should your skirt be, <laughs> right? Right? What, what, what is the exact length? And then you go beyond that length and you are out of bounds. 
So the question is, how short should your skirt be? The answer is, ask Jesus. Here's a tough one. <laughs> this, is, this, this next question is like a nuclear bomb in, in Christianity in, often. Is it all right to drink a glass of wine? Ask Jesus. That's all I'm going to say about that. Listen to him. Not the law, not even man-made laws, not even prophets. Ask Jesus. That is the final word. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. The final word, no longer prophets, as it was in the days of old. No longer the law. The final word, Hebrews 1, verse 1, is Jesus. Listen to him. This is my son. Hear ye him, God said. So, should I pray for an hour? Ask Jesus. Should I pray for, what if I only prayed for five minutes? Ask Jesus. It's a great way to live. It is living in the new covenant. Here I stand at the cross, holy saved in the holy one, body, mind, heart, and soul, one. Here you are, Father God, in the Spirit and through the Son, the Lord our God, the Lord is one.
Okay, so my question is, what makes Jesus Christ angry? He did get angry. It's safe to say he does get angry. So are you if you're listening, think about that for a moment. What made and therefore what makes Jesus angry? You know, like angry enough to flip over some tables in the temple or curse a tree or call a group of men the sons of the devil. (laughs) Here's one thought. There's no record of Jesus ever being angry at sinners and prostitutes. So why are so many of us as Christians angry at sinners? If you would, prostitutes. Homosexuality wasn't an issue in the time, in the culture Jesus lived in. It just wasn't as it is in ours. I am not defending homosexuality right now any more than I would defend theft or pornography or gossip. Okay? I'm not defending that. But I would say where Jesus never was angry at sinners and prostitutes, in fact, stepping up to defend those people when they were in a place of jeopardy and were willing to repent. While there was no homosexuals in Jesus's culture, there were prostitutes who came and washed his feet with tears, with perfume. I would suggest to you that would be akin to you and I sitting at a table with Jesus and a homosexual came and did that to his feet. So the thought that was going through the minds of the Pharisees that Jesus called them out on was if this guy only knew who this woman was that was washing his feet, she was a prostitute, right? So imagine, and I don't think it's stretching the, uh, the profound truth of the situation when I say if a homosexual had come and washed Jesus's feet with his or her tears, it would be just like that. I'm not defending prostitution. I'm not defending homosexuality. I'm not defending sinful activity. I am praising the name of Jesus. So what makes Jesus angry, not sinners and prostitutes in his day. Why are so many Christians, ministers, preachers, including myself, 
back when I was young. <laughs> angry at sinners and prostitutes. So angry when Jesus wasn't. What makes Jesus angry? Lack of grace. Ask the Pharisees. And I'm not saying that God goes soft on sin. No, nothing is passed over by God except because of the Passover. Jesus took the judgment so that nothing is now imputed to me nor you. Jesus became sin without sinning. And now we become righteous apart from anything we do as well. So the people that Jesus got angry with were religious men. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be religious. Lord, make me more religious when it comes to walking with you and following after you, but not with a lack of grace. Praise be to the Lord that he has grace for us in our time of need. We are to be doers of the word. There's no doubt. But do you know what when James says that? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. You know where he says that? In the book of James, he says it comes from looking at the law of liberty. <laughs> Isn't that great? I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only, not because I'm looking at the law of Moses, the law of church, not the New Testament, but the new law. No. I become a doer of the word by looking at the law of liberty and not forgetting the grace of God. I love what I get to do. I get to remind you that your sin is forgiven. And I know that will cause you to walk in even less sin than you ever have before. Here's a classic. Somebody said to me before the radio program today, thanks Pete for playing Bob Dylan. I said, I have no idea. I did. I don't remember that. <laughs> but because that was said, it reminded me we have a song by Johnny Cash. <laughs> We'll be right back after listening to The Man in Black. Were you 
they crucified my Lord. Oh, were you there when they crucified my Lord? we go i'm not going to get in and sing with the man in black and his wife june was in there too so there's a little there's a little hat tip tip of the hat to the past and uh johnny cash cool stuff um you know 
I'm so glad that the new covenant is not thou shalt. Okay? The new covenant is not thou shalt. The new covenant is I will. The old covenant, the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day. You know, but the new covenant, the New Testament, which is even better than the old covenant, as beautiful, righteous, holy, and even perfect as it is or was. Because the new covenant is not based on what I must do or what you should do. It is even better than the old covenant. And whereas in the Old Testament, it was thou shalt, the New Testament, God says, I will. I will remember your sin no more. I will write my law on the table of your heart. I will, he says. I find some comfort that God found fault with the old covenant. That's what the scriptures say. It's not that God didn't so much like the system, but he didn't like it for you or for me. So he creates a better covenant. One that is not dependent on us, on you. Because if anything is dependent on you, I, I hate to break it to you, but it's doomed to fail. So the old covenant, thou shalt not, we can only respond by saying, I cannot. If it hinges on me, or if I do my part and God will do his part, we're in big trouble. But God found fault with the old covenant, not because it was its fault. I can't keep it. And now because God found fault with the old covenant, as the scriptures say, he finds no fault in me. The days are coming, says the Lord. I will make a new covenant. And he says, I will. You know, therefore, God gets all of the credit. And therefore, my heart finally finds peace. When I take my eyes off myself and put my eyes upon Jesus Christ. 
For God in the new covenant does not say if you or thou shalt. He says, I will. That's why it's called obedience of faith in the book of Romans. We're simply called to believe. I lose my way and I forget my name remind me who I am in the mirror all I see is who I don't want to be remind me who I am in the loneliest places when I can't remember what grace is
And welcome back. I'd like to, if you want, invite you to um, check out my website, peterjohncorson.com. And uh, I post little tiny articles on there. I'll post one probably, hopefully, today as well. And uh, you can get the podcast if you want to listen to this at a different time other than just the 10 o'clock or 3 o'clock hour as well. You can get that on the website. Some other kind of cool stuff's on there. So check that out if you want to. Um, Tonight, nothing that I know of, but my brain might just be playing tricks on me. But tomorrow night, we'll be gathering in the sanctuary. My dad is going to take us through the Bible, presently in the book of Isaiah. I want to mention something from Jesus' genealogy, from his family line found there in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. You know, so-and-so begat so-and-so, you know? A couple of interesting people, as you know, are in there. Not just people, though. Um, interesting women. I would have, if I was Jesus, if I was God, I would have placed in that genealogy women, yes. But I would mention women like Rebecca and Rachel and Sarah. And even they had their issues, like we all do. But that's who I would put in, you know, my genealogy. For the record, they're in Matthew chapter 1. But instead we see a couple of other women. (laughs) We see Tamar. She would be the kind of gal who today would be dressed in a Leather shirt, skirt, leather jacket, some fishnet tights, perhaps. And Judah was her father-in-law, yet through Judah and Tamar comes Jesus's family line. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He could have been the Messiah from Benjamin or whatever, Ephraim, but he's the lion of the tribe of Judah and Tamar. I love how real and raw and gracious the Bible is. It's all of those things. When you look at Tamar and Judah being Jesus's in Jesus' family line. His forefather, Judah, with a prostitute. How about Rahab? You know her, right? The prostitute of Jericho? We are talking here the family tree of Jesus Christ. And yet she becomes one of the greatest women of all time. She becomes, what, I can't remember anymore, the mom, maybe the grandmother of Boaz. You know Boaz, right? Who married Ruth. Ruth, not even 
going a, a Jew. She, she's disqualified. She's a Moabite, a Moabitess. Can't inherit the land. She's disqualified. But she was a Moabitess. And she's in Jesus' family line, just like Rahab and Tamar. You know why? She entered by faith. Now, look at David. Of course, he's in the lineage of Jesus. Jesus is called the son of David. Now, God could have chosen any son of David before Jesus. He could have chosen one of David's sons that were born before Solomon. He could have chosen one that was born from his other wives. But he chooses the son that was born from Bathsheba. (laughs) And Bathsheba is also spoken of in the genealogy of our Savior. Bathsheba, you know her story. I don't need to get into it again. Tamar. Rahab and Bathsheba in the genealogy of the son of David. No wonder where sin abounds. Grace superabounds. Even of those women, two of them were Jews. And two of them were Gentiles. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, nothing determines your salvation apart from the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. No wonder why he is our Lord and Savior. No wonder why I love to do my job, this radio program. I get to talk to you about Jesus Christ the Son of God, beautiful in every way and abounding in grace towards us. For he finished the work, paid the price, and rose from the grave. And you are tuned in, listening to me talk about Jesus. He is worthy. God bless you. If you want, you can always email me through my uh, peterjohncorson.com. Love to hear from you. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you have a thought on today's program. Something you've read in the Bible. Whatever it might be. I'd love to hear from you. Go to my website, peterjohncorson.com. You can send me a note and uh, hopefully I'll get back to you (laughs) but I'd love to hear from you the Lord bless you talk to you Lord willing tomorrow